Hey guys, um, welcome back to my podcast. Today, we are going to be talking about the whitewashing that occurs to black female main characters in book-to-movie adaptations. And I have two core examples, two two examples that, that haunt me to this day of this happening. Um, so let's get into it. My first example is The Sun is Also a Star by Nicola Yoon. It's a movie adaptation that came out in 2019, and I remember being really, really, really excited about this uh, announcement because I have met Nicola Yoon um, because I'm such a big fan of her books, and I was like, this movie is going to be so iconic. Like, we're talking like the next the next Twilight or something, some, some kind of romance book movie epiphany was gonna occur in the world because of this movie and that didn't happen we're gonna talk about why um so first of all let me say i really love this book because of the connection it has to jamaica i am um i'm of its jamaican heritage so i really connected when i read this book and i was really excited because i don't remember seeing a lot of books marketed towards my demographic at the time which was like the young adult book world um with the main character who was jamaican um, and not just Jamaican, like a Jamaican-American. Um, so I really love this book, but like I fell in love with this book, like hard, head over heels in love with this book. But one time I remember that I recommended this book to a friend while I was in high school, and um, she said that she doesn't really like to read books where the couple in the romance book is an interracial couple. And I was just blown away when she said that. Like, cause she, she's from like African descent. Uh, her parents are African. And I was like, I was just at a loss for words. And honestly, I felt a little bit insulted because she had like kind of low key criticized one of my favorite books. And thinking about that, what she said now, looking back on it, I kind of wonder if she still has that same sentiment now. And I kind of wonder like what she's talking about. Is she talking about like, subscribing to or like only wanting to read books that showcase black love in its purest form like black a black woman loving a black man like what is she talking about um like I just I don't know I was just so excited to see a black woman at the the center of a book and the book is not like sad or about slavery or discrimination like I was just excited about this book and I was blown away that she was as excited as me um, that was really interesting, and that one hurt my feelings a little bit. I was, my feelings were hurt, uh, for this, because of what, uh, I was hurt for Nicola Yoon when she said that. Um, yeah, so, the actors who played the characters in this book were Yara Shahidi, she played the main character in this book, and Charles Melton played the, the love interest, the male main character in this book. Now, let's talk about these actors. I have nothing against these actors, and I'm sure they're great actors. I watched the trailer briefly. I was kind of like, oh, maybe I actually should have watched this. Um, but Yara Shahidi, she ethnically, she has an African-American and Iranian background. So her mother was African-American and her father was Iranian. Um, and Charles Melton, he had a white dad and his mom was is Korean. Um, so... That one kind of grinded my gears because I was like, both of the lead actors are mixed, like from mixed races. Like, what? I don't know. I just, I just feel like Hollywood has this obsession with diluted ethnicity, if that makes sense. Like, 
it, it's not that I'm criticizing these actors. It just feels like uh, a person who was fully Korean or a person who was fully African-American or Jamaican-American didn't have a chance against them because they were too ethnic for Hollywood. So the next example that I want to talk about is The Hate You Give by Angie Thomas. That was a movie adaptation that was published, um, that came out in 2018. So both of these examples are coming out in around the relatively same time. And they were kind of like double insults. Like as soon as I got over the first one, the next one came out and like insulted me again. I was like, ah, how could they do this? (laughs) But, uh... It, it it was just, like, a lot, because the main character is played by Amanda Stenberg, um, who goes by she, her, they, them pronouns, and has identified as non-binary, um, and their ethnic background is African-American and Danish, so their mom is African-American and their dad is Danish, um, so I kind of wanted to talk about, like, the cover comparison of the main character portrayed, which was Star, her name is Star in this case, versus the actor's appearance. Now, the actor's skin tone is lighter and her hair is looser and texture than the person who was portrayed on the cover, so that was kind of like, ugh. Um, But I don't have anything against Amanda Stenberg. Um, She played Rue in The Hunger Games, which I loved her in The Hunger Games. Like, I fell in love with her as a young girl. She was really important representation for me. Um to see her, and she was just, she looks so beautiful, um, in that movie, and she also played in one of Nicola Yoon's book, where they played ev- the main character of, in the Everything Everything movie adaptation, and I kind of didn't have sour feelings towards this movie adaptation, because Amanda Stenberg, they, uh, played a character who, in the book, already explicitly mentions that the character is of a mixed-race background, so this will kind of felt like it really fit her, but mm, this when when they played in the main role of the hate you give, I kind of felt like this one might not have been for you. Now, granted, I haven't watched either of these movies, but I did read both of the books, and I kind of didn't read, I didn't watch the movies because the casting alone made it feel kind of inauthentic and upset me, so I just avoided them. But um, I did find this article where Amanda Stenberg said something really interesting about her ethnic background and what advantages it gives her. So let me read that quote for you. They said, Something interesting has happened with me, Yara, and Zendaya. There is a level of accessibility of being biracial that has afforded us attention in a way that I don't think would have been afforded to us otherwise. They expanded. Me and Yara and Zendaya are perceived in the same way, I guess, because we are lighter-skinned black girls and we feel this interesting place of being accessible to Hollywood and accessible to white people in a way that darker-skinned girls are not afforded the same privilege. Wow. Go off. Literally exactly what I was thinking. Um, because it, it just feels like kind of like a cop-out to cast these same three girls. You know, Amanda, Yara, and Zendaya. And they're phenomenal actors. It's just that it feels like they're purposefully overlooking other very talented actresses in favor of black women that are more palatable to the wider audiences. Not just, well, it's not like I said whiter. I meant wider, but also the whiter. Both is true. Both audiences find this appearance of blackness more accessible, palatable, tolerable than like a darker skinned black girl with coarse, forcey hair. 
Now let's look at the IMDb ratings, which was uh, very interesting, to say the least. So, The Sun is Also a Star got a 5.9 out of 10, which is like, yeesh. Ooh. And honestly, I'm not that surprised, because when I watched the trailer, there were some parts, like some lines that were so cringy, and I was like, how could they do my favorite book like this? How could they tarnish its reputation? Like, I swear. I swear. I feel like I'm fighting for my life. I swear it wasn't that bad. Like, I swear the book is amazing. <laughs> um, but... Uh, it was kind of cringy when some of the actors delivered some of their lines, especially the male love interest. Like, it was kind of like, ooh, kind of, I don't know if I like that. That didn't, that didn't go off the way you thought it would. It, like, it didn't, didn't work. Um, but The Hate You Give has 7.5 out of 10. Also, I've not seen that movie. It kind of feels like a hmm, inauthentic call to action. Uh, granted, I haven't seen either of these movies, so I could be totally off. But just from the trailers alone, I kind of felt like we can change the world, and anything we we try our hardest to do, we can change the world. Like that's the vibes it was giving me, that kind of message. Um, so I just didn't, I didn't feel the need to watch it. And also, I kind of didn't really love that book either. Um, so I also didn't have like a strong motivation to want to watch that movie. So I think we're grappling with this really interesting concept here with the idea of measuring your blackness as a mixed person. Like, are you less black just because you're mixed? Like, are you diluted? You know, like I said earlier. Um, but I think the reality is that most people, most African-Americans or um, people from the African diaspora, the black diaspora who have encountered colonialism to some extent are too, are, are, some percentage of them is mixed like even for me my dna results from ancestry was like almost 25 percent white which was mind-blowing to me i was like oh take it back like <laughs> take it back tell me it's not true um, but it's just the reality that we live in like we're all mixed to some degree in the black diaspora um but the problem is not that you need to measure your blackness as a mixed person because when we think of barack obama do we think about him as a mixed person or a black person first no you think about him as a black person or, like, the Meghan Markle in her recent documentary talks about how people think about her as a mixed person before they think about her as a black person, just because of your appearance. So how black you appear on the outside sometimes determines how black people consider you to be. Which, you know, all mixed people, if their mom or dad, one of them is white and one of them is black, are the same amount of mixed, they just it shows up in different ways. But here's the thing. The problem is not that mixed actresses are being cast as black characters. The problem is that more often than not, only mixed actresses are being given the opportunity to play leading black roles. And I want to put that emphasis on leading because those are those roles that are getting played by Zendaya and Yara and uh, Amandla. And I think it's important to acknowledge that there are people in the black community that look like these actresses because, as we know, blackness is not limited to just one kind of appearance. But I think that especially when the story is romance-based, Hollywood or casting directors refuse to let the main character appear like someone that doesn't fit that kind of standard of ambiguity um, in regards to their blackness, where they can like kind of look less black than like uh the average black person in america um as far as like have more eurocentric features and i think i think this is a problem mainly because when these romance-based stories only have a black girl that looks one type of way it begs a question about what desirability what appearance desirability takes what form and um it's essentially telling all other black girls that don't look like yara or zendaya or amandla that 
their appearance is not desirable in the same way that these mixed actresses' appearances are. And I feel like we keep going on like this hamster wheel where we keep dealing with this over and over and over again. Because um, I'm thinking about that scandal that, Di- that Disney had with Princess Tiana in 2018 where that uh, Wreck-It Ralph sequel movie was coming out. And there was like that scene with all the princesses and Tiana looked completely different. Like her hair was looser. She had little uh, hazel highlights. Her nose was smaller. Like it was like, who is that black girl? It has to be Tiana because she's the only black princess <laughs> in Disney. So it just, you know, process of elimination. But there was a lot of backlash in that clip and from that clip. And rightfully so, because it, it's like, how could you do that to our darling Tiana? Like literally an iconic queen. How could you do that? Um, and it was really interesting to me because the entire clip is only about like a minute long and um, overall I thought the clip was a little bit cringy because it was like did all of the when the the final line where the princesses ask the Wreck-It Ralph main character did all of your problems get solved when a big strong man showed up uh, like they that's one of the questions they asked to determine if she could be considered a princess or whatever that was a little cringy I appreciated their uh, like attempt at self-awareness that the stories of a lot of princesses are deeply ingrained in misogyny and um do not align with a lot of feminist values but like in the ability to make fun of the stereotypes placed on princesses but it kind of fell flat a little bit and maybe i'm just looking at it with like (laughs) different uh perspective because this was what almost five years ago now that's crazy but it's almost five years ago so humor kind of can change amidst the backlash to this you know gentrified Tiana there the voice actress of Tiana and the organization color of change met with Disney to discuss how they would reanimate Tiana to make it more true to her original appearance um, and less um, her, making her features seem less Eurocentric in the way that they had made her appear appear in this clip and I really liked with the color of change this organization their statement that they put out Uh, in response to Disney's decision to reanimate it. They said, Disney's decision to restore Princess Tiana's image to that of an unapologetically black princess with full lips, dark skin, and dark hair, and Ralph Breaks the Internet Record Ralph Part 2, is a victory for Color of Change members, black children and their parents, and black audiences who want to see the variety of shades, shapes, and sizes of black characters accurately represented in the arts. That is beautiful. That's beautiful. That, and that's really the core message that I've been trying to get out at this whole episode. Like, the variety of shades, shapes, and sizes of black characters that we see in our society. I want to see that in not just the books, because we're starting to get there. In the books, we're slowly but surely starting to get there. But also in the movies that are based on these books. And it kind of feels like if the publishing industry is going to put all this effort into increasing diversity in our books but not make ensure that that same diversity is maintained, is pre- preserved in the movie adaptation of the book, what's the point? You know, because the movie reaches a larger audience in most cases than the book does. So if we're not going to maintain that message, like, how, what, is, what is the point of putting all this effort in the beginning? I mean, obviously there's a point, but you guys get what I'm saying. It kind of feels counterintuitive. Now, the Color of Change organization is a really cool organization. Their motto is, We design campaigns powerful enough to end practices that unfairly hold Black people back and champion solutions that move us all forward until justice is real. That's crazy. That's that's a cool organization. I 
Uh, I'm going to definitely look more into this organization and what they stand for um, because it feels very inspiring just from the things they've said in the statement they put out in regards to Tiana's reanimation. Why am I even talking about this in general? Like, why is it and why do I care that mixed lighter skin actresses are playing these roles? Um, like, so shouldn't I just be glad these roles exist in media, that black people are being represented in any form, um, in some form, compared to in the past when they weren't? And to some extent, I feel like kind of like sometimes when I talk about this, like I'm being ungrateful, but really I'm not. Like, why should I have to settle for, like, <laughs> two-dimensional representation why should I have to settle for like low minimal effort representation from the media that I consume like I shouldn't and I am not um which is why I'm making this episode but um <laughs> I think that this is important mainly because when we only see mixed actresses as representations of the black community their hair is not always representative of everyone's hair in the black community and their their um just just everything about them is just not it, it doesn't encompass all of the the lives the perspectives the appearances of black people in america and i just think limiting ourselves to these these three actresses is doing a disservice to how people perceive the black community um and what they perceive as desirable because once we start showing all types of black women experiencing being experiencing romance and experiencing being love to the fullest extent in the way that they deserve until we do this until we're truly representative of all black women we are still going to be stuck in this this mindset that black women have to fight to be loved the way they deserve in ways that women of other races just don't relate to because it feels like sometimes i think and i think a lot of black women can relate to this that we are not desirable to any community and I know that that's not true. That's just a generalization. But a lot of the times, because of the media that we consume or are faced with, it feels like nobody wants black women or finds black women attractive. There's the black men don't want black women. The white men don't want black women. The Latino men don't want black women. The Asian men don't want black women. Or um, even just like in the LGBTQ community, it just feels like black women are at the bottom of the totem pole when it comes to desirability. And when we portray these mixed actresses only in roles where black women are seen as desirable, it continues to enforce this narrative that black women who don't look or have Eurocentric features or lighter skin with, you know, freckles and all kinds of things or looser hair, like 3B hair type, um, if you don't have that, then you're just not attractive. Which, you know is not true and we all know that and we are all on our own journey to accept our beauty as something that can't be questioned as black woman um and honestly how could we question it when all kinds of women are going through a lot to look like us with lip injections and um self-tanning um and stuff like that Matter of fact, it's so awkward to me when I'm in a predominantly white setting and the white people are talking about, like, tanning. I feel so... It almost feels, like, kind of prejudiced to some extent. I know it's not. Like, it's definitely not. But for some reason, I feel like, 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 they they talking about me low-key. Because they're like, oh my gosh, I'm so pale. I need to go to the beach. Or I need to go sit in the sand. 
Or, I found this great self-tanning lotion. It doesn't even look like you're wearing anything. Like, what? What are you talking about? Like, you're going through all this to get dark skin for something that I grew up not necessarily hating, but I, I didn't grow up appreciating my brown skin either. Um, so, it's just it's just an interesting dynamic to be in that situation. Part of the reason why I think this is so important is because black women not only are not shown as being desired and loved and attractive in media it's that message is communicated to a community who starting to believe it I mean I even believe it sometimes um and I saw this tiktok which I'll link in the podcast description uh that was talking about um, the masculinization of black women, which influences a hyper-feminine lifestyle for black women, um, to the point where you're like, you can't leave the house without makeup because you feel like you look like a boy, uh, which is like ties in perfectly to what I was saying in the learning how to do my 4C hair um, pot episode. Because it's just like, you feel like people perceive you as very masculine which in turn is like not desirable as a woman right um and so you like you have this need to overcompensate to show yes I am a woman look at my boobs like (laughs) not look at my boobs but like look at my cleavage or like look at me wearing tight clothes um even if that's not necessarily how you would dress on the regular um and the comments for this tiktok like literally broke my heart um yeah like one of them was like I still get called a guy even where I, even when I wear hyper-feminine outfits, so I just wear what's comfortable now. Um, another one said, literally was told I look like a man by a black man, and it broke me to pieces. <laughs> like, oh my god. Another one, when I show my natural hair, I always feel like I have to show my skin or I'm not going to feel right. <sighs> feeling like a boy, feeling like I look like a boy without earrings as a kid. Um, or I felt like I was non-binary because no one tre- treated me like a woman. Um, yeah, the need to wear lashes and lip glosses all the time. When you used to cry because you looked like a boy with your natural hair. Oh my gosh. I'll never know if I'm non-binary or just suffering from society stereotypes and trying to run away from them. Wow. Look, at this This one is kind of, I think this one is good. This is happier. I have dark skin and my first name is unisex. I was constantly misgendered as a child, both accidentally and with malice. I didn't even realize what it had done to me. Now I'm on TikTok finding femininity in characters I love. This <laughs> is so sad and true. Like, why? It makes us feel so lost. Oh my gosh. Like, <laughs> and then and then black women in that same sentence will get ridiculed for wearing overly long lashes or overly exaggerating, like, you know, putting a lot of makeup on or very long hair or skin tight clothes revealing clothes and are criticized and called sluts and whores because of the way they dress or because of the way they look or because of the, or ghetto because of the way they wear their makeup or their earrings and it can all stem back to the masculinization of black women you know by society and then them in turn overcompensating with hyper feminine dressing or styles and stuff like that um so it's just really like a, a vicious cycle, I guess. And that's why I think like writing black woman characters in a bunch of different scenarios, worlds, you know, genres is so important to me, especially as a writer, um, 
to increase representation of black women in all forms and that black women are women without needing to prove that they're women like you just are a feminine person if you if you identify as feminine you are feminine and you don't need to prove it to anyone by dressing a certain way or presenting yourself in a certain way which is why i think it's so important to me that um the characters are not whitewashed and um that we're showing all types of black women in all types of scenarios i i feel very proud of the role that these actresses have in the black community um i think they've had a phenomenal impact on just seeing more black women more frequently in major blockbuster movies um and i don't want to feel like i'm discounting their their hard work and the moves that they're making to support the black community um i definitely see it and i definitely think it's amazing but i still want more from hollywood I I want to see a wide range of black women in different, also black women with different identities, um, you know, in the LGBTQ community. Um, I want to see that perspective, that story in leading roles where the story is not mainly about their suffering. And I feel like a lot of the stories where these darker skinned black women are getting the leading roles is about like them suffering or them going through a a horrible ordeal like you know slavery or discrimination before they can even get to the end and at the end it's not even sometimes a happy ending sometimes it's just like the majority of their suffering has ended and it's just about how hard they've worked and or it has this kind of motherly role that doesn't have any type of uh, desirability to their role it's just like they they need they're stuck in that kind of stereotype of motherhood or being a caring figure or putting others above themselves it just feels like like black women or black characters of a darker skin tone are very pigeonholed in hollywood or in just media representation as a whole so it's kind of kind of disappointing it's we're hoping i'm hoping that we're on the right direction i see changes coming about but the thing about this kind of demand for presentation is that it takes a long time it takes a long time for these stories to get written it takes a long time for these stories to get picked up by publishers and it takes a long time for the stories to actually get published um and then from there even when you're producing like movies that the whole process takes a long time so these things might be in the works right now as i'm currently speaking but we may not see the results of it until like 2024 so I know that change is happening, but I also know that change is slow. All in all, I think that, you know, we as black women want better uh, representation in media. And I honestly think we deserve better rep- representation in media. I think we've been waiting long enough. Um, and I think it's just it's about time that we see these changes. And if another one of my black books with these amazing black characters come out and it's it's another mixed girl on a throw fit because um i really 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 want to see some dark-skinned black woman 4c hair being desired being loved achieving their goals you know risking it all overcoming challenges and laughing and just just experiencing all facets of life in the same way that I see other races, other communities doing the same thing in media, experiencing these same things. So 
I'm going to end the episode there. That one was a, a passionate one. <laughs> um, but if you want to stay up to date with the podcast, feel free to follow us uh, at Jumbled Podcasts on Instagram. Um, I post updates on there every week, uh, along with some like bonus content. Um, but as always, thank you for listening to me. And I hope that tomorrow is better than today for you, for you and me. Tomorrow will be better than today. I'm going to manifest it for all of us. Tomorrow is going to be better than today.